Good evening and welcome to the Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pitch. Thank you so much for being here with me. In today's broadcast of the Catholic View, we bring you our feature as we focus on spread and the rights of people with disabilities. But for now, though, we begin as usual with some of the stories that made headlines in Africa and beyond with Mahadi Butelezi. So do stay tuned. Listen to Radio Veritas, 576 AM, 4HA. Bringing you your news headlines from Africa and beyond, Pope Francis reflects on Christ's healing of the leper. Catholic bishops call for reconstruction of South Sudan and Eritrea accuses Ethiopia of planning a full-scale war. Good evening, I am Mahadi Butelezi. Pope Francis moved refugees to the center of his preaching when he made a group sit next to him during the weekly general audience. Continuing his series of Wednesday catechesis on mercy, Pope Francis devoted his June 15 general audience to Christ's healing of a leper. He preached about one of the miracles of Christ. It was the healing of a leper who approaches Jesus, despite the social norms of the time which excluded him. At the same time, Pope Francis said this happens today with other groups of people. On a more spiritual note, the Pope recalled the humble attitude of the leopard of the gospel. Kneeling, asking for Christ's healing, he recommended imitating his example. The Pope said that contact with the needy cleanses the hypocrisy that exists in each person. This was the last general audience before the summer break. Pope Francis will resume these weekly meetings in August. Father Olisi Kondlo, a Port Elizabeth priest who was diagnosed with a rare lung disease, has died. Father Kondlo died last week. About a month ago, Gashwal Brooks interviewed him on changing gear and he described his rare condition. Uh, actually, it's, it's, a, it's a non-specific interstitial pneumonitis. It's, it's a pulmonologist. It's a pneumonitis. Um, it's because it, it, it renders my lungs weak. Yeah, I need basically my my own immune system is attacking my own lungs. My lungs are like a honeycomb. They've got holes in them. And it's degenerative every time. So it renders me weak and I'm I'm unable to to walk fast, to talk as much as I could, or to talk straight two minutes without without coughing. The late Father Gondlo in the interview called for the church to do more awareness campaigns for organ donation. He conducted workshops around the country to encourage people to overcome their fears, prejudices and indifference about organ donation and potentially save countless people. The now late priest has also founded an organization called Hashtag Donor Saves Seven Lives. I, 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 just, I just basically say that, listen yes. There is me, but there, there, there is more 5,000 of me, like me, who, who need a, a, an organ. It's unfortunate. It's a part of life. It's a, it's a, it's a cycle of life. People die, people get born every day. But um, when is your time? Mm. Don't be so selfish to, to, to live with all the treasures. 
because one person could save up to seven people mm. you know, with your heart, with your livers, with your pancreas, um, with your with your lungs. That's all you know. One imagine having one person saving seven people's lives. That's 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 more than any any money could buy. Father Kondlo at the time of his death was still on the waiting list for a lung transplant. Oh, Kolesila was a, he was a very joyful person, uh, and even expressed a joy with within his within his within his suffering. You know. A lot of people were talking about it. And he, um, whenever you meet him, he was very joyful, always happy, uh, very committed to to his ministry, uh, very intelligent. Uh, so yes, a great loss to us, really, indeed, a great loss to us as a diocese, and also for the for the brotherhood of of the clergy. It was a great shock. We knew that he was that he was struggling with a very rare uh, disease and a lung disease. He has been in and out of hospital quite often over the last three years and it's been permanently in oxygen but but it came to us as a, as a great shock we still had hope of course that you know that it would, it would still be the possibility of a, of a lung transplant and besides that also maybe just the possibility of an extension of his life you know at, um, under the circumstances that his passing came to us it's a great shock we've made the final arrangements it's on tuesday the 5th of july it will be important to this A series of violent incidents have been taking place in the Central African Republic since Monday. According to reports on Monday, a police station in the PK5 area of Bangui was surrounded by an alleged armed self-defense group. Jenny Kongelosi reports. During an operation to extract policemen from there, shots were fired at the UN forces which in turn returned fire. At least six people were killed and one peacekeeper was injured. Here's the UN spokesperson Stefan Dujaric. Three people were arrested. The mission has launched an investigation into the incident. The UN mission condemned these actions and reiterated that attacks against UN personnel could constitute a war crime punishable under international law. The mission calls on all parties involved to act with restraint and to refrain from violence and to work with a peaceful and inclusive future for all. An aid agency convoy was also attacked in the Kimo prefecture northeast of Bangui on the same day, leaving one person dead. Ongoing clashes between rival groups in Ohem Prefecture, Bosangwa Province, have left 10 combatants and one civilian dead. Meanwhile, civilians have sought refuge at a Minuska camp. Still with news from Central African Republic, a Capuchin mission was ransacked in Nyaudaye village. Second Secretariat, Benedict Asoro has more. The problem in, in uh, Central Africa has uh, religious and political undertones, and mostly uh, political, but they use the religion to fund the, the conflict. You know, the Pope was there last year to appeal to them to uh, to uh, live in peace as Christians and Muslims and uh, as politicians, both in the ruling and the opposition parties. Unfortunately, some uh, groups uh, who are anti-Catholic, uh, known as the MPC, uh, RJ uh, movement, they have been attacking Catholic uh, installations or centers. And the mission in, uh, in, in Guadalajara in the Central Africa was from site. And some of the the, the, the items were st- taken away, and I understand that they even extended that to some homes, where they they, they took away uh, property, they looted the property, and even uh, set houses on fire. The good thing is that uh, presently the UN has uh, promised to strengthen uh, its peacekeeping presence in that area, because of of late, 
they were limiting themselves to the uh, capital, but now they're moving into the outskirts where there are hotspots. Uh, and I think that with the presence of the UN peacekeepers, this issue may be uh, quelled in, in the near future. According to VOA News reports, the government of Eritrea told the UN Human Rights Council that its neighbor, Ethiopia, is planning to launch a full-scale war against its territory. Eritrean and Ethiopian troops recently clashed along their border. The countries are blaming one another for starting recent hostilities that included heavy border fighting around the Zerona Central Front, an area located south of the Eritrean capital, Asmara. Church leaders in South Sudan have urged citizens to put an end to negative tendencies and work for the reconstruction of the country. Secam Secretariat, Benedict Asaro reports. The bishops had uh, their plenary assembly uh, last week. At the end of the plenary assembly, they they issued a statement where they stated that uh, now is not the time for recriminations. It is the time for uh, serious work for the future of uh, South Sudan. And they appeal to the people not to indulge in the destructive criticisms, but to work together for nation building. And they also call on the, the two leaders, that's President Salvaki and his vice, uh, Rika Mashar, to adhere to the August 2015 agreement in conflict resolution that they signed together. Now, they've also appealed to the two leaders as a sign of uh, proving to the people that they are prepared to work together. They've asked them to go out and meet the people, go from one town to the other throughout the country, to explain to the people that they are resolved, they have resolved to work together for the for the good of the country. So the bishops are saying that it is not just to say that they they they, they have resolved their issues, but they should be seen to be to, to to have resolved that. So they are asking them to go out and meet the people and also to work hard to bring about peace, so that there will be no uh, more conflict in that country. We hope that this time the peace uh, will will hold. A Congolese former rebel commander has been sentenced to 18 years of prison for war crimes and crimes against humanity, including rape, murder and pillage. The UN-backed International Criminal Court, ICC, has made the announcement on Tuesday declaring Jean-Pierre Bemba Gombo guilty beyond any reasonable doubt. The crimes were committed in the Central African Republic between 2002 and 2003. Jenny Congelosi reports. Jean-Pierre Bemba Gombo was the military commander for a rebel group called the Liberation Movement for Congo. The forces were under his effective authority and control when the crimes were carried out in the Central African Republic from October 2002 to March 2003. They include rape, murder, and pillage. Mr. Bemba was arrested by the Belgian authorities in May 2008 and surrendered to the court in June. He has until September this year to appeal the decision. And finally, Rory McIlroy has become the latest golfer to withdraw from the Rio Olympics in Brazil. McIlroy released a statement saying he has decided to withdraw because of the risk that the Zika virus is posing. Controversy over the August 5-21 to 21 games has grown as more about the disease becomes known. Meanwhile, the World Health Organization, WHO, has announced a revised Zika strategic response plan and also called for greater international cooperation. Here's WHO spokesperson Tariq Jasarovic. So this strategy will place greater focus on preventing and managing medical complications caused by Zika virus, virus infection by providing counseling and treatment, if necessary, to pregnant women, partners, households, 
infected people, and we'll also work with communities trying to have enough of capacities at the health systems to provide the necessary support to communities. Zika, which has been reported in 60 countries and territories, mainly in the Americas, has been linked to birth defects and neurological complications. It is mainly transmitted by the Aedes aegypti mosquito, but also by sexual contact. For the Zika response plan announced in February, WHO received just over $4 million, which was less than 20% of funding needs. Daniel Johnson, Geneva. And these have been your news from Africa and beyond. Have yourselves a very good evening. I'd like to thank Mahadi Butelezi for bringing us up to date with some of the stories that made headlines in Africa and beyond. This is the Catholic View coming to you on Radio Veritas, 576am, otherwise on 870 DSTV Audio Bouquet. My name is Shayla and I thank you once again for being here with me. Coming up next, we'll be taking a look at spread and the rights of people with disabilities. <laughs> Spread is an organization that supports the religious, spiritual, social, and emotional development of people with an intellectual disability within the Archdiocese of Johannesburg. SPREAD is an acronym for Special Religious Development, but what it stands for is accepting the challenge and the privilege of aiding persons with an intellectual disability to participate fully in the liturgical life of their church. SPREAD aims to do this by providing appropriate religious services as well as experiences which will enrich their quality of life, spirituality, socially as well as emotionally. SPREAD consists of a group of volunteers who commit to forming small faith communities to support the faith development of people with an intellectual disability by developing relationships of love, acceptance and welcome. Mrs. Nelly Nguane has been a member of SPREAD for more than 20 years at St. Joseph Catholic Church in Midlands. How did you come to know about SPREAD? Oh yeah, SPREAD, when I know about SPREAD, it's when sister came to our parish. Then she presented spread. And then when she talked about spread and tell us that there's so many people outside there who are not in the church at the moment because uh, there's nobody who's looking after them in the church. So I'm here to come and ask the volunteers to come and help if we can help the people with disabilities to be in our parishes or in our church during our masses. So then after mass, I went to sister and then asked her, uh, I did hear you when you talk about this, but how do I help these people? She said, no, just wait. I'll come and train you just to understand more about it. Today I just come in to tell you about the uh, catechist, which is for especially for spread for people with disability. Then we say it is spread because it's a special religious development. That is how I came across spread. Then I was trained by sister. Then 
And how long have you been a member of SPREAD? Mm, I think it's from 19, uh, 1998. It's now 20 years, I think. It's going for 20 years, if I'm not wrong, or 19 years. Wow, that's a lot of years. So I'm sure you've gathered more than enough experience when it comes to helping people with disabilities. Now, let's talk about that. More than 20 years that you've been working with people with disabilities, um, teaching them, giving them catechism classes. What what have you learned with uh, by working with them? What has really touched you over these years and by working with people with disabilities? And uh, also, how is your relationship with them? Actually, uh, we are in a journey of faith with them because we we are using symbol with them to show them that uh, every, every, uh, everybody or everything that we see it is uh, it is from God we see everything that is created by God then we touch it and we smell it and we see it by with eyes and then then it's how we relate with them to show them that they also, they are the same with other people. They must not think that because they are disabled, they are not like other people. So we are all the same, like every creation that we see um, around us. Then it's how we, we journey with them, the, the, uh, our faith with them. We, we, we don't, uh, we, we, we just want them to, to understand that uh, God is everywhere and is with us, all of us. So it is not about how they can pray or they cannot pray, but what they can do is what God has given them to do. So we, 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 we experience a lot with them when we are with them on a catechist class with them. So uh, it's so interesting because it has made me to, sh- to, to, to say at least our church has made a room for our disability so that they mustn't be left at home because of their disability. Because of that, they are coming to church and they share their talents. They share how good are they. They can sing, they can do so many things with us in the parishes, in our churches. So that is what I thank God for because really it has made me to see that at least we cannot leave anything or anybody outside the, the, the mass because of saying she cannot receive a first holy communion because of the disability. They don't understand the, 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 the normal catechist. But the, the catechist that we are using for them, they understand more. And then they come to church, they show their, their interest in church and their talents in church. It is what keeps me going with them, because the more we are going, we are doing this with them, we are having these sessions with them, the more we they, 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 we experience a lot, and we go a long way. Most people with disabilities are not welcomed amongst communities, and uh, they, they suffer a lot of discrimination, not just by people by community members but also by family members we have witnessed quite a number of women who have 
who have cried the fact that their husbands have left them because they gave birth to a kid with disabilities. Now, how do you teach uh, members of the community to accept people with disabilities in your community? Actually, uh, parents, they, don't, they, they do love their children as they, as, the way they are. Uh, so we don't see any any child with a disability who we can say this one is not good for spread or is not good for to, to meet with other people. It's only before we, we have this spread because if we, you come with a child who's screaming in the church, then people, they just look at you and say, why do you come with this child? He's making a noise. He or she making a noise. But since we have this uh, a program, our, our children, they are trained to be quiet and they become so quiet in a, in a mass. So we, we, we don't say we, we want a child, a child with a disability of this kind. We, we just accept them as they are. So with us and with the parishioners, before they didn't understand about these children. But since bread is there, our children, they come to church and they just do what the other people do. And they are just normal, like any other children. Even our, our children are even more better because from the spread sessions, they know how to be quiet. They follow the way other people do. They, can just, they cannot just do anything. Unless he is just born like that, maybe he's just screaming. And even, even if he or he screamed, he screamed because he responds of anything that is been done in the church or anywhere where she is, but especially in the mass, they, 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 they respond. They respond so much. Maybe when he or she screamed, she screamed because she responds of what is be done. Maybe people are singing or there's something that touches him, then he can scream and show the, 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 to, to, to show that he or she understand what is happening. Because we cannot see how she responds and how she feels, but by by screaming, we understand that she must be responding for something. So we don't say we we, we want we 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 choose who we who we must accept from the, uh, uh, disability. We just take anybody who comes to us, whether. As long as the parents bring it to us, because before the parents they didn't bring the children to church, but they bring them to spread from spread to church. Because after they come to spread, we make sure that they must receive their sacraments. So when they receive their sacraments, so even the children are willing to come to church. But if she doesn't receive, she doesn't want to come to church because there's sometimes there's a time where she can or he can't. Uh, do something that her mother do. So the parents, they are willing to, to bring their children since print is there because we are really uh, genuine with them, with the, with the faith of, of the church, the way the church wants us to do, especially to train them how to respond when they are in the church, in a mass. 
Now, over the 20 years that you've been working uh, with SPREAD and you've been dedicating yourself to uh, in this journey of faith with people with disabilities, do you think the church could do more to make people with disabilities feel more comfortable at the church? Yeah, even if I can say the church can do more, I think we as parishioners, we should do more because to other parishes, there is no spread and people, they don't want to volunteer to come to spread so that the, uh, the parents can bring children because the church already uh, gave us the, 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 the space for, for spread to, to, to do the, 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 the catechism for spread. It's, up, it's all about people in the church to make sure that in their parish, spread is there. So when we go to any parish, we ask people to volunteer. If people come, the parents will bring the children to the, to the church. And then it's not about church must do more. We must do more in our parishes to help our parishioners who have the children with, the, with disability so that they can bring them to church. So the church has already done to, 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 to agree that spread must be there. So people must be open to, to know that in my parish, spread is not there. I wish that can be there, then we can go there and do the presentation and ask people to, to volunteer. It's not about the church to do more. It's about us uh, people to, to help the, the church to, 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 to run what they've already brought to us. Well, thank you so much for your time and for sharing with us um, your knowledge and uh, your experience working uh, with SPREAD. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you, Sheila. Technology doesn't repair people, it enables them. That's according to Chapel Kasnabis, the man leading a New World Health Organization initiative to promote what are known as assistive technologies. That could include electric wheelchairs and other aids that assist people with disabilities. The Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, which was agreed 10 years ago, affirms technology as a right rather than luxury. Chapel Kaznabis and Gabby Edmond Rick work on disability issues at the Israel Ministry of Justice. In this interview, Chapel begins by giving an update about the biggest impact technological development has had in the last decade. I can say the mobile phones, especially this new iPhone, Androids and all those, they're coming with a lot of features which helps people with disabilities older people, in fact all of us. Dr. Admanrik, you also probably noticed uh, an evolution over the past 10 years, what would it be? I think the main evolution in the past 10 years after the ratification of the CRPD is a change in the social understanding of what is disability. If for many, many years dis disability was understood as a medical condition, something that's wrong with the person, an abnormality, the role of the CRPD as I see it is to change the prisma from looking at the person and how we can change him and make him more adaptable to society? How can we make society different so that it includes all people with disabilities inside it as regular parts of society? So how do you consider technology in that regard? Is it something that is an enabler or is it more of an obstacle in that regard to change society on how they consider disabled people? So it really depends on which technology we're talking about in general. 
technology is amazing things for people with disabilities. I don't want to say anything different than that. But the thing is that most of the society hasn't really understood the shift that I was talking about before. I don't know if you mm -hmm. see what movie I'm talking about, but Avatar. In this movie, the person who was a disabled person discovered this world that he has access to and then um, ends up leaving the real world for the fake world. And it's seen as an achievement because he becomes a so-called normal person. And many times in movies and in literature, obviously, we see uh, the idea of the disabled body as something that we don't want. And many times when we are um, talking about technology, we, t we are talking about changing the person. The technologies themselves can remain, but the idea that we can't live with it, we have to change it. This is what has to change. We have to learn to live with the people that are in wheelchairs, that are hearing impaired, that are psychosocial impairment. They all have to be part of our society. Mr. Kashnabi. Certain technology is the basic needs. For example, a wheelchair. If you don't have the wheelchair, then somebody has to carry that person. We have seen the children are carried by the mothers and then they were taking the child to the school. But when they become bigger, they can't carry anymore, then the child drops out from the school. More disabled girls drop out from the school than the, any other people. So certain technology is the basic need. And it's not only for the user, it's also for the caregiver, family member. So you're talking about the balance between independence and the possibility for disabled people to socialize and interact with the rest of the world and the other uh, side of the edge, which is trying to uh, repair the person. I'll never say we repair the person. Technology doesn't repair me. So that concept people have to get rid of from their head. Technology enables people. If you could address directly the investors, how would you sell that concept to them? The industry cannot run in loss. Problem is now industry is operating in a higher margin, lower volume concept. What we are trying to tell industry, there's a huge population are waiting for your product. There's a global demographic shift. People are living longer everywhere. And those people who are living longer also need assistive technology to remain independent and productive. What we are trying to say that if you increase your range of products to capture different socioeconomic groups, you have a large market and you can make more profit. So this, I think, aging with disability and all will change the whole sector in the next 10 years. Thank you. Uh, for you, what, what do you see coming? I've seen many people that use technologies, like blind people that use screen readers, and they, they finish many degrees, and they studied, and they become professionals. When they come to the job market, they encounter stigma. And it's very sad, because this person is using technology their whole life, and they know how to overcome it, but the society doesn't understand it. So really, I would like to see the end of discrimination that people learning to live together, to know each other, to know a person with disability has advantages, disadvantages, wishes, dreams, and they can do things in a different way and still do them and still be part of society even if it's a little bit different than the other people.
that brings me up to time. This has been your Wednesday's edition of Catholic View, a program produced and presented by Sheila Pirsch for Radio Veritas. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back again tomorrow evening at the same time. Until then, God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Sheila Pirsch.